Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Give them a hug. Tell them they look magnificent. They smell fantastic. You're glad you're sitting next to them. Can we also thank the the worship team this morning? These guys did, did a brilliant job. Absolutely sensational job. Thank you. Thank you, team, for being with us today. Why don't you guys grab a seat? Have a rest, grab a water. We're in our Real Deal Relationship Series, which is fun. Who was here last week and heard Kim uh, Phillip talk about you? You know, the, the, the hardest relationship in your life is with you. And uh, generally, it's, it's how you see you is how you treat others. How you see you is how you relate to God. Sensational message. If you weren't here, get online, get the podcast. It, w- it will help you. Uh, it was just a sensational uh, time. And The two hardest things possibly to talk about in church are money and relationships. Well, they're probably the two most important things we can talk about. Uh, And the reason we call it real deal or real relationships, uh, they're real deal, but we're we're just talking about real relationships, is uh, because it's important. Do you know what? It's important to address issues. It's important to address differences. It's important to address grievances and things that we've, so that we can get over things and live in victory. You know, Corinthians says that, uh, Uh, Thanks be to God that gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God's intention for our life is that we would live in victory uh, in our relationships and every other area of life. So I'm going to ask Melissa to come up here. We've got a a panel of experts this morning. Um, The two others didn't turn up, so Melissa and I are going to do that. But we've got Peter and Ainsley with us. Come on up here, guys. Peter and Ainsley. Phenomenal friends, ministers, and also relationship experts. Let's just say that this morning. That's good for the podcast. We'll cut out the other part. Uh, but these guys run real deal relationships. You coach. You don't um, counsel. You coach uh, couples. So we're just going to introduce ourselves a little bit. What we're going to do today is talk about uh, marriage. Uh, what else are we talking about? They'll talk about marriage. Yes. If we talk about marriage, we might have differing opinions. So they're going to talk about marriage. Uh, we're going to learn about marriage. Um, what are we talking about today? Talking about, yes, we're talking about marriage, family life, parenting, the single life, yeah. um, all of the above. And so just get help. your thoughts going because at the end we're going to do like five minutes of questions and answers as well. What we'll probably do is defer to them. Uh, however, <laughs> just get your questions ready. So, so why don't you just tell us about yourselves, you know, what you're doing with Real Deal, uh, how long you've been married, been ministers, how many kids, etc. Um, okay, so we've been married for 27 years. Yep. Wow. Come on. Um, we have three children, um, 25, 23, and 21. Our oldest one is blessed to be married and just loving life. She's married an amazing anointed man who we adore. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> um, so uh, we've been pastoring for the last seven years, and uh, with Real Deal Relationships, I'll let Peter go on to that. <laughs> yeah, the Real Deal Relationships actually started about um, four years ago with actually Phil Pringle. That's how it all actually, and the name Real Deal actually comes from Phil talking to us one day, and just opening up um, a, a gift that we had inside us that we actually probably hadn't really identified, and over the last four years, it's um, now developed where we, um, we spent a lot of time just coaching couples because um, uh, we, we believe that some couples just need to identify the skill sets that are necessary to maintain a positive relationship. 
And uh, once we get those skill sets in place and activate them, um, they can become masters of their own relationship. Wow. Which is, which is great. And these guys have just see great results all over the coast, but everybody that you're dealing with. So at the end of today, you may be going, you know, we, we just want to get some coaching. We want to talk to these guys. The greatest athletes on the planet have a coach. Yeah. Yeah. It's that 1% difference. It's that little tweak that changes things from being rough and average to excelling and exciting. So I, I want to encourage you guys, if you're going, you know what, we could just go to a next level in our relationship or, we, you know, we need some coaching to help us work through some of our differences, some of our group, whatever it might be. I want to encourage you guys to come and speak to Peter and Ainsley. We might get some cards off you for next week. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so. Yeah. so for I, the, yeah. I, sorry, I actually like the word coaching. You know, you think, oh, I need some counselling. But I love how you do that. It's like we do. We need coaching <coughs> in every area of our world and we're continually learning. So what they're doing is wonderful. Yeah. It's awesome. Just to explain the difference between counselling and coaching. Um, so I'm actually a qualified counsellor. I'm a guidance officer. Peter's a police officer. But um, we felt that we, within the realm of re relationships, we wanted to be a, not so much take a journey, which could be quite long, but rather have the opportunity as a coach to be straight up. So the language of real deal relationships is just straight up. We just, we don't hold back, um, in, not in a, a negative context, but just in a, we're here to support you. Have you thought about these strategies? Maybe try this. And so it's a lot more in its tone, um, is a lot more very proactive and quite forthright, but in a context of mentoring, but that coaching element. So that's the difference between So not so the much two. how do you feel about that. Or Correct. Have you noticed you do this? Yes. So wow. it's just a little bit more yeah. direct. They're going to cut to the chase. Very direct. You're doing this and it's silly and you're doing that and it's silly, but if you stop doing that, you're going to come together and... Enjoy life a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, sort of like that, but yeah. a little bit. <laughs> I'm the next one that's going on staff with Real Deal. So. Hey, uh, have you ever heard the saying that opposites attract? Yes. And the funny thing is, generally in life, and you've, not always, but it's the opposites that attract us in life, and we're attracted by what we see or what we feel, or, and it's that, they're different to me, but I like that difference, and so we're attracted to each other. Then you kind of journey a little bit, and as you journey, it's the opposites or the differences that frustrate. And so it's how do you navigate that journey of the very thing that I used to love is now, you know, anyway, I won't go there, but um, I don't like so much. What, what do you do with that? I just wanted to start with a scripture. I've got a few more scriptures after, but um, it says, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam. And in the day that God created man, he made them in his likeness. He cre created them male and female uh, and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. So I just want to preface most of what we say today that it, it's actually God's fault. Uh, because he made us the way we are. <laughs> he made us with our differences. He made us, we walked, I'm, I'm joking, of course. Um, but, you know, there was a time where it was just God and man. And God and man were cruising around in the garden. And I think man frustrated God that much that he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Yeah. Now, he wasn't alone because he was with God. But God's like, you know what, I just, I can't take this. I was, I was quite fine. I'd created everything. I spoke everything into existence. But he needs somebody to be with him because, hello, this is going to do my head in which I'm sure is how most women feel at times. This, this is going to do my head in. So I'm just joking again. We're going to work through some relational stuff today. Uh, Come on, we need to have a laugh. We're going to be real. This is real relationships. Let, let, let's start with, with marriage. Let's talk about marriage. So we've been married nearly 20 years. In February, it's 20 years. 20 years. Thank Come you, on. Jesus. And I was, how old? A child. <laughs> so 20 years, three kids. We've walked through some stuff, been gr some seriously good times, some seriously challenging times. We're still here smiling. Yep, true. 
We are. And, We're uh, smiling. But, We're but all on a journey. So let's talk about marriage, though. And, and I guess in talking about marriage, uh, managing expectations, managing differences, conflict resolution, why don't we just open up to that this morning? Because who's got the perfect relationship here? Okay, besides Justin and Matt, you guys can go out and work with the kids. All of us need some level of, of help with our relationships, help with dealing these things. So even, I guess, around managing expectations. Yeah, I think with the expectations is uh, understanding the premise that you're coming from and understanding the position the, your partner's coming from. Uh, I find that um, where we had problems in the past, uh, it was usually coming from my position of being very functional and Ainsley being more relational. And the problem was Ainsley would be having a discussion with me which would frustrate me because she was talking in a language I wasn't really understanding because I was seeing it from a very functional perspective. And, and quickly, one of them was, we were, we were only just newly made pastors, and there I am, pre, you know, working with a couple, and we've got this amazing breakthrough. Uh, I said to Ainsley, I'd be home at 6.30. Uh, it's now 27 minutes past seven. Uh, as I'm, I'm cruising out of the church, thinking I've just done God's great work, and, and you know, I'm feeling quite blessed, and, and I'm so excited, and I'm walking in the door, absolutely pumped, you know, high-fiving to Ainsley going, what time do you call this? You know, and, and, the, and the issue was I didn't understand initially what that all meant, really, because I was coming from a very functional, I'd done a great job, I'd done a great thing, but Ainsley's premise was more so was, why don't you just text me? Why don't you call me? Dinner's late. Yeah, it's all ruined now because we didn't know when you were coming home. Um, and for me, it was understanding the difference where I was coming from and, and managing that expectation and also acknowledging where Ainsley was coming from, plus also understanding our differences and understanding that perspective really then starts to shape how you need to manage your own expectations on your, on your partner and vice versa. And by doing that, it, it, what now, if you come and have coaching with me, I'll say my phone is there. If my wife or kids text, I will respond because they have to be my first priority. And so, therefore, now, I never have that problem because if I'm going to be late, I just text yeah. or I just say, you know, this one's going over because it does happen. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's putting it in perspective of where Ainsley needed me to be more responsive in a relational way, not just celebrating my function. I think also um, managing expectations is you need to really um, consider whether you actually believe that you complete each other. Because that's a, a worldly lie. That's wow. that you don't complete each other. Yeah. God completes you. Yeah. You complement each other. So you come and complement each other. Very good. And in that, with God, you are completed with right. God. Right. He's the only one that completes you. So therefore, if you complement each other, it wow. takes time to norm, storm, form, where you actually learn how to complement. Okay, and that's the journey. And I think sometimes when people step into relationships, they think that it should happen now. You know, we should be able to get this going. You're different to me. That's annoying. Well, actually, no, that's a strength. If you understand that differences can be strengths, then all of a sudden you understand the very fabric of relationship, how we complement each other. That's great. And I think that expectation is really important to understand. That's fantastic. Yeah. And, and the thing, I guess, what you'd say is all of the, the relationships that are modelled to us by the world aren't real relationships. The, the, the TV marriage, the, the parenting and how that happens, none of it's real, but it sets us up with expectations as to how my relationship should work or what I should be doing, uh, which doesn't help. Yeah. 
Great. Okay, so that's Great. fantastic. That's good. Um, oh, we're moving on. Okay. Um, so that's managing expectation. I think the biggest thing you just said then is really it all just comes down to communication. So we, are, we do have different expectations, we do have yeah. different priorities per se, but it, it comes down to communication. One text can be the difference between an almighty fight or no worries. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the difference, but I, why would you say we don't do that? Mm. Uh, I think what happens is we get so consumed about what we're, what we're doing and what we think is right, yeah. that we negate what is actually the influence or the impact it has on the other person. So I'm always mindful about because I can be easily distracted and I can become consumed about what I'm doing. So, you know, whether I'm studying or whether it's work or whether it's whatever facet I'm doing, I'm trying to be the best father, the best husband. And, and, and that was my mistake before our marriage failed, was I was trying to be all things to all people. And I was doing it in such a way uh, that it was actually damaging the people I was meant to be helping. Wow. And it was all because I thought I knew what they needed uh, and therefore, um, I wasn't giving them what they really needed. And it was that, uh, that journey of understanding, and I've got three kids that are completely different in how they operate. My relationship is fundamentally different for each one of those, because I've taken the time not to treat them as three kids, but three individual people. Yeah. And the same with my wife, and the same with those around me, is understanding and taking the time to invest. That, that, for, that then opens up the communication to be more effective. Um, my, if we're going to have a, 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 an argument, well, we don't have to argue, but, you know, we disagree. Strongly. The disagreement is usually going to be based on, we, did a, we do a thing called flag pages, which we can talk about later, but flag pages helped us understand our different premises. And for me, it's about getting it done, whereas Ainsley's driving force that makes us different is her need to get it right. And when I say get it right, it means getting it right. So, you know, living with someone who's 95% okay does not necessarily fit with someone who needs to be 120%, okay? And so, therefore, it's about navigating that difference in that communication yeah. so that it's not saying to Ainsley, you need to do it my way or me having to do it her way, but it's finding our way, uh, which meets both our, our need to have something done effectively. And so, it's, it's, it, when we do that balance, then communication's more effective. Otherwise, we're just spewing stuff out and we're not receiving, we're not listening, we're not hearing, yeah. and uh, that's not communication, that's just a one-way conversation, yeah. and that's never going to go anywhere. Yeah. yeah wow. Sure. Uh, you know, I, let, me, let me say this, so what's the importance in your eyes of having Christ central in your marriage, or in a relationship? Because obviously the Bible talks about a three-chord strand is not easily broken, yeah. and we've we got Corinthians, and we've got, we got frameworks around what love is, and what life should look like. As much as what we see in the world is not real, Something like that, you know, 1 Corinthians 13. Love, is, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not yeah. puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. Um, that also is kind of a signpost to where we can head, but probably not reality for most people either. Yeah. But so that we don't get convicted by, well, this is what love should be, but this is not real, how do you find that happy medium to, to head towards? You've got to shoot for the moon to hit the stars. So the idea would be uh, not being angry, not being tired, not being what, whatever, being, being patient, all those things. I need help with patience. Um, but we're going to be somewhere in between those two. But so I don't feel convicted and give up in the middle, how do I allow God to strengthen our relationships 
so that we can move towards perfection? Yeah, it's a great question. I think um, the most important thing is to get that revelation that Christ is love. So therefore, what's established there is that um, that perfection of what, what love is. Yeah. It's that um, Peter just mentioned, just to clarify, um, because I don't think that was mentioned as probably about 14 years ago. 12 years ago, it's around there. Um, our marriage, we've been um, Christians our whole life, but our marriage fell apart. And it was down to communication. It was just down to we loved each other, but for, we just learned not to communicate as well together. And um, it's a long story, but when you lose everything, all of a sudden you have to start looking at what you actually rebuild upon. And I think for us, we got the revelation once um, more so myself decided to pull in and try was that we needed to have our priorities in order. So for us, it was always my relationship with God, Peter's relationship with God, then our relationship with each other is the next priority and then our children. And then from there, our ministry, because our first ministry, we believe, is to raise our children. Okay, they're going to be warriors. All right, and they are warriors. So therefore... Having that context of priority for us helps us to keep Christ yeah. in right in our relationship. Yeah. So as I'm building a relationship with Christ and being convicted of things, yeah. and, and God says, look, you know what? The Holy Spirit says you probably shouldn't have spoken like that or you probably shouldn't expect that. Yeah. Then I start to soften because the Holy Spirit is the guide. Yeah. He is the teacher. And so therefore that's what we do. Then I will go and sort that out and, and make it better. And I think it's that. I think it's the real aspect, the real deal is the fact that we stand imperfect yeah. and each day we're on a journey. And sometimes growth is two steps forward and one step back. Yeah. But we're journeying to Christ-like understanding of relationship. That's fantastic. Um, sorry, Pete. Oh, no, you go. Yeah, I just think that, that in um, Ephesians 5, it reads, you know, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And yeah. I, ask, I ask that question of every guy that I meet that comes to see me. And, and that's a really difficult question to answer, to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And often we don't read the next two verses after that. And it says that Christ loved the church by washing the church with the word to set it up without spot or blemish, that it may be um, lifted up in splendor. And I say to husbands... That's how, you, that's how you love your wife, is that you wash her with the word of God so that she's without blot or, or, or um, blemish and you lift her up, not in worship, you don't lift her up to be your answer, yep. but you lift her up to be everything she's meant to be yeah. and you empower her to be everything she's meant to be. She's not your answer, she's God's answer, yeah. wow. you know, to her, who, who she's going to influence. Right. So our job is about empowering our wives. And an empowered wife is going to be a lot happier wife. Wow. And, you know, happy wife, happy life. Um, but the thing that I found with me and Ainsley was that um, what killed our relationship, and I believe, this is me personally believe, that all relationships die this way is because of resentment. Anything that causes resentment, in each relationship that's going to be different what that looks like. But the more resentful we become, it's like oil losing out of your car. Yeah right, eventually you're going to have a major breakdown. Uh, and it's looking at that resentment, and that's where we're not washing with the word. We're not, we're not with the spot or blemish. That's the spot and blemish is that resentment. 
and it's about making sure that our relationship is free of resentment. So for most guys who just want to know a really simple answer to how do I fix my marriage, find out what your wife is resentful about and fix it. Wow. Great. Uh, and, it, and if you're constantly asking that question, a wife will then feel loved the way she needs to be loved because usually it's the resentment that she has that is the issue that you need to focus on. If you need to focus on something, focus on that wow. as a simple way to start, okay? And then, because women need to be loved, which makes them feel safe. Yeah. But us guys, we just want to be respected or accepted. And we're going to feel respected and accepted. Wow. These are generalized, but th this is what we get out of Ephesians. It talks about men want respect, women really need love. And, and that makes them feel safe. The more safe your wife feels, the more she's going to be respectful and accepting of you. When she feels full of resentment and bitterness, then what ends up happening is uh, she's like anyone who's bitter and resentful. They close in on themselves and they're not open to feeling uh, loving and all that sort of stuff. So resentment indicator is what I have on. Ask Ainsley, what is it that I've been annoying you with these days? <laughs> It's a hard, don't, but you get the answer. You've got to not bark at it. <laughs> you just got to take it on board, wash it with the word wow. of God, yep. and then come up with an answer. That's yep. great. That's, that'll help people. So Is that good? good? Yeah. And you know what? I actually have this scripture written down, which I think sums up what you're saying. And you all, it's like going to the word of God, which says in Ephesians 4, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of love. Amen. Make every effort to keep yourselves, um, yourselves uh, united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. What a great scripture. If you want to write that down, Ephesians 4, 2 to 3. Beautiful. And keeping God centered. But it takes work. Yeah. Hey? Yeah. Yeah. So it takes work. And I just want to say that no, no marriage, no relationship is perfect. We do not have a perfect marriage. These guys don't have a perfect marriage, but I tell you what, God's center of your marriage and your relationships will work. I, we've had times where I've gone, if we didn't have Christ in the center of our marriage, we probably would have gone opposite directions. I'm being real and honest here. And I, my, there was divorce in my family. And, and as a young teenage girl, I had this desire in my heart. I said, when I get married, it's going to be for the rest of my life. And I tell you what, in the early days of us being engaged and married, that was contended. The, the enemy was coming in. He was going to do anything for me to carry on that, that statistic of divorce. And I'm not saying I know some women here, you know, your marriages ha haven't worked. And, you know, that's circumstantial. God brings good out of every situation. But just for me personally, I was like, I'm going to fight for my marriage. And I fought for it for the last 20 years. And I'm going to fight for it till, till, the, till the day I die. Um, and you know what? But it's keeping Christ-centered. So that's just a little bit of marriage advice from me. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, just for time's sake, and obviously we, yeah. we might go five minutes over. C can I, can yeah. I see anyone give us five minutes? Five minutes, five minutes. Anybody? Minutes. <laughs> five, 10, 15, 20, All 25, right. 30. All right, we've got, we got about another half an hour yet. Good. Hey, uh, so just wanting to address a few, few issues. Why, why don't we go into talking about family life yeah. uh, and parenting. We we'll just might mm -hmm. just bring them together, but kind of how do you do it well? Uh, you know, I love what you were saying before about you don't treat them as, oh, they're my three kids. They're, they're three individuals. Yeah. I've got the ability to train them and shape them and invest into them. And that's what Proverbs says in Proverbs 22. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, what I loved about a Friday night is there's seeds being sown in young lives. Uh, but not just as a youth group, as, a, as, a, as parents, 
uh, or future parents, we can do this for our kids. We can sow seeds. We can build them up. I love, uh, you know, the, going off topic a little bit here, but just to see George on bass this morning. George is playing bass. He's worshipping the Lord, and his son's running around his legs. And he didn't skip a beat, and he didn't push his son away, and he didn't. And Melissa said, oh, should I gr- grab him? I said, no, let him be. He's with Dad. He's having fun. Yeah. But I love the fact that, you know, his son feels safe and secure around Dad. This may be a little bit of an unusual environment, but around Dad, I feel good. So how do you do it well? Okay, um, in a short answer, because we do talk a bit, is um, I think it's two things, uh, really quickly. One is that it's not how should I parent, but who am I and what do I believe and reflect that. So, for instance, we will say to our children, you're amazing. You can do anything. You know, God has purposed you for greatness when they were little. But they saw me saying that to Pete. They saw us navigate hard times. They saw us pull in. They saw what relationship meant. They saw that what I did in my day at home, imperfect as it was or, or, you know, Christ-like developing, is who I was at church. I wasn't different. Be who you've been purposed to be in Christ. And from there, parent by reflecting. I think when Christ calls us to reflect, it's foremost in our house. The second thing would be is how you parent, which sometimes parents will um, parent in an authoritarian style, which is black and white. It's all about the rules. It's all about the boundaries. Sometimes we'll see permissive parenting where it's, sweetie, just go do whatever you want. We're best friends. Let's hang. Right? It's easy to do, but it's really hard when they're teenagers. It's really hard to take them out when you're a permissive parent. I'm just putting that one out there. Um, There's neglectful Okay, and that obviously has its limits, and that can be in a highly financial family and also very low socioeconomic. It's all the way through, neglectful, don't care, sweetie, do whatever, I really couldn't care. And then you've got what I believe is a Christ-like parenting structure, which is authoritative. It's a balance of relationship and boundaries. That's what children need. And in development, we look at, in their developmental years, up until their pre-teen we're looking at that real consistent boundaries and relationship. And the relationship that you have is the mum or the dad or your adopted children or whatever you've got within your sphere. But when they become teenagers, it's different. It's still relationship and boundaries, but it's more of a mentoring to train them to become adults. And in that, your greatest strength is your relationship with Christ and who you reflect in your everyday and in your relationships. Just to add on that... um, we instigated many years ago um, a thing that the army actually taught me, which was that the army stood up and said one day, if all our soldiers have these four values, which was courage, initiative, teamwork and respect, we would have the army that we need. Yeah. And I thought, hey, wait a minute, wouldn't that work for families? Why don't we work out what values our families are, our family is, and reflect those values, and then for our kids will reflect it. So we, our family values are, are spirit-led Authentic relationships, generous, courageous for the commissioning, influential and change agents. The vision that we had was that on our kids' 21st birthday, we wanted, what would people say about our children as they were describing them? And that were the, they were the values we wanted. And all our kids are now turned 21, and that's how we would describe our children, those values. 
and it's about us living those values and then we parent from those values. So we don't parent from reaction to circumstances, we now yes. respond to our values. So when the children breach a value or, or are not showing a value, we reflect them back onto the value, yes. which then means our parenting style, particularly in the teenage years, was more values-based than situational-based, yes. which mm. meant that you could take a kid on a journey instead of a massive correction. You'd take them on a journey which could take a little while longer, but I think it's the same way Christ teaches us, and we teach them the same way, to come to a value-based lifestyle instead of just doing the do's and the don'ts of life. It's great, I love that. And I've seen Peter and Ainsley parent their kids and, and be friends with their kids, but that not be the end of it. So yeah. there is, still is that authority, yeah. isn't there? Is, um, and that, this stuff's good, this, this will really help you. I love, um, you know, because the Bible says that children are a blessing from the Lord. Amen. And I think you parent them out of whether you see they are or they aren't. Uh, and I think that helps to be a filter but well, that's what the word says. That children, and you know, who's ever gone? They're, they're not a they're not a blessing from anybody. T- right now, today, they're they're causing me grief. They're giving me hell. Uh, but that's what the word says. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. Yeah. The fruit of the womb is is a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they will speak with their enemies in the gate. And I love that. I think realizing that if you've been entrusted with kids, they are a blessing to your world. They are, they are a blessing to be nurtured and nourished and loved. And here's the thing, we all make mistakes in our parenting. Yeah, yeah. So, but we can all correct mistakes we've made, make a decision today that I'm gonna parent a different way. Yeah. I'm gonna change and I'm gonna do something different. If I speak hard to Zach, he fires up even more. If I speak softly, it brings him to a place and yeah. almost by default draws him in. Now, half the time I wanna speak hard because what he's doing is crazy. Uh, but I can't, you've got to bring him in softly and then he hears you. Um, and, but I just think that's when you see them as a blessing, some, some, a young individual that I can shape up to be all that God's called them to be, you'll parent differently as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just um, following on from that, uh, I was thinking about the evolving relationships with your kids and communication as they grow up. So some of us have really young kids, some of us uh, have kids merging into teenagers, some are already young adults. And I thought that's a really good question. I mean, you know, as I said, there's so many things we could sit on for hours and talk about, but this is something that I'm actually really passionate about is um, the evolving relationship with your kids. And as you, it's, it's, you're learning as you go. You never get it right. And the communication. And that's one thing that I'm really fas- passionate about is the communication with your kids. And I was thinking about we all come from different upbringings, we're all raised differently. Um, and so I know for us, and being, being real and honest here, is that I grew up in a home where we communicated, we sat down, we talked about things, not in a weird way, but you know, our family's not perfect, but in a healthy way. And Christian grew up in a home with a lot of children and there wasn't a lot of communication. So when we came together, um, th- th- there were a few challenges in our marriage, but then having children, um, that has been a, something that we've had to really work on and come into a grant. And, um, and so, you know, Christians like, you know, you've got to let them learn just to, to be tough and get over it at times. And then I'll, and I'll go, I'll take that on board. And then at times I'll say, okay, now, babe, we need to actually sit down and talk with them. Because as you know, kids need to be heard. 
as a person, we need to be heard. Amen? Um, so just for, for me, there's something I'm really passionate about. Um, and finding times, and it's not always easy. So I've got, you know, Noah, who's now 13. Ella's emerging um, into her teen years in a few years. But I'm seeing more and more how crucial that one-on-one time and communicating. And for me, I find what works is when I put them to bed, that's a really vulnerable time. I might have shared this before, but... Um, you know, I'll go, I'll, I'll sort of make my way around to each bedroom and I'll pray for them and I'll sit. And at that time when they're quiet and peaceful, I find they really open up and talk about things. And you think, oh, I'll just hurry up, go to bed. I've got things to do. But I would say, actually wait, actually be patient and be there in those moments. I'm finding that I'm being quite strategic in having one-on-one time. Like if I have to go to the shops or I've got to go and do a few errands, I'll take either Noah or Ella with me because I know I need those times to connect with them and communicate with them and stuff starts coming out and we'll have chats and it's finding those times that even if it doesn't come naturally to you, I allow God to say, God, help me communicate with my kids because it's like in a marriage relationship, in any friendship, that communication, but I just think in those formative years, um, that communication with your kids, finding those moments to unlock because I find it's just a little question after a little question and then it draws stuff out because you want your kids to go to you first for advice, for guidance, then their friends. And, um, you know, and, and it's even having uh, those, those chats with the, um, you know, the facts of life talk. And I remember we did a parenting course once and the best advice I heard was you want to get in there first before they hear it from their friends and at school in a worldly and a perverted way. You want to get in there where, where they hear it from a pure, um, this, is, this is life, and, uh, and then from there they can ask questions. But you want your kids to be able to come to you, right. not go to their friends first. And I will fight for that. I will pray for my kids and it's just a continual thing. I hope that helps anyway. We're pretty well out of time. I would, I would like to get a few questions, yeah. um, but why don't we? And this is kind of big, big topic in it. Yeah. But the single life. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people that feel like, well, I'm I'm insignificant, or I'm this, or I'm because I'm single. Uh, even you know, as we heard from Mel before, talking about finding your identity in a relationship. Uh, but that's just not. It's just not true. There's no difference between somebody that's in a relationship or not in a relationship in the eyes of God. They're the they're made in His image, created, yeah. purposed individual placed on this planet uh and and where it says that the devil comes only to steal kill and destroy but i've come that you may have life and life more abundantly it applies as much to a single person as it does to anybody else do you do any coaching with uh single people or the people that have been in relationships not in relationships um we do i would say that probably at the moment it's been more mentoring yep um coaching without a doubt um i think it's the biggest thing with when you're single either coming out of a relationship or not yet stepped into one, is that perspective of if you focus on that, that will become an idol. Okay, and God can't bless an idol, no matter how great it is. No matter how noble it is, no matter how God-given you think it is, you can't raise your family higher than God. You can't raise your desires or your want to be financial above God. So therefore, your best... Um, positioning is to have that sense of I'm going to be everything that God has called me to be that is going to be my focus and know within yourself that God is your provider and whether you choose to be single or not difference of provision will happen 
If you choose to be single, then provision in all areas that your heart's desire will be. That's your heart's desire. If you choose to be with someone, whether you've come out of a relationship or not, it's just like when we come and we find Christ for the first time and we have that complete washing of just a, a new start. Relationships are exactly the same. That is a moment with a relationship with Christ. It's exactly the same in relationships, no matter whether you sit in a place now, whether you think, oh, I'm single, I'm always going to be single, or I haven't been parenting right, or all my marriage isn't. Move on, take it to Christ, and go, for now, God, for always, you are my focus. Very good. You are my direction. Beautiful, love it. Yeah, just quickly, I I agree with that. Anything that we make an idol, God can't bless. The things that we do not submit to him or give over to him, he can't flourish. And so therefore, my encouragement, whether you're single, you're wanting to become a parent uh, and struggling with that, anything that we struggle with and that becomes something that burns within us, that we do not give to Christ, will become something that he can't bless. Uh, and, And therefore, if we really want to live truly blessed and be the best that we can be in our life and have the best life, it really centers on us first seeking the face of God and, and what his will is for our, our life. If we're married, we need to take our partner along that journey as well. But if we're single, we have the greatest opportunity. Like if I knew now, back then, what do I say, what I know now, back then, right? I could tell you, uh, I would have, been, you know, we, dating-wise would have been so much better. Uh, finding, and I'm, I'm blessed that I got the right one. <laughs> Because we were good mates before we got married. But the bottom line is, is that when you're single, just get right with God and the godly person that's going to come into your life. is Because you're not going to be looking for anyone else because the person who's going to actually make you pick them is going to be the person who's going to match the vision that you have for your life. And you're then going to have a marriage set in heaven. And, and it's going to have the greatest foundation to start with because you have the right premise to start with in the first place. Uh, but also... It might be your journey that uh, you have an amazing gift in your life of being single. And we shouldn't look at singleness as being a negative because for some people, singleness is a requirement for what God's got planned for their life. So we've got to embrace that as well. You know what I mean? So don't ever see singleness as a negative. It's just a state. Beautiful. Just add one thing, sorry, is... When we came together, we didn't know about... We were Christian, but we had no idea about the same vision and all that kind of stuff. So, like, it's a new day. God at any time, as soon as you commit your relationship to Christ and you start listening, he can shape your same vision. He can bring your hearts. So if you came together unequally yoked or you came together from any context, God, just know that God has got it and that a new day starts today. Mm. That's great. I was actually thinking, sorry, you go, babe. No, I just, um, I was thinking about, you know, the the, the single life, the solo life and, um, I, I saw this quote saying, be single and satisfied. It's like, I know so many people that, um, you know, either they're, they're single, haven't found that person, or they're, or they're a solo parent, and they're wanting, an, a, you know, a partner to help raise their kids. And there's, there's nothing better being, than being content where you're at and being satisfied. And God will honour that. And I think he's the one that you can draw everything from. He's the one you can draw your wisdom from. Um, and, uh, and your strength from, but I just love that, just being satisfied where you're at, being content, God will bless that, and he will, he will, he will multiply the desires of your heart. Uh, can I just read this scripture, which I love, about, um, about wisdom? If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, 
and it will be given to you. And you know, some people just naturally have a gift of wisdom on their life, am I right? Uh, Just that, you know, they just think that what others lack in that area. But can I encourage you, allow God to place wisdom on your life in every decision you make as a single person, as a solo parent, as a married person, um, dating, whatever stage of life you're at, say, God, give me your wisdom. Because I think we look to uh, the world and and other people um, around us, how they're parenting, But I I see that and I go, God, I want your wisdom first. You guide me, you show me. Even I've I've grown up this way, I've been taught this way, but God, I want your wisdom and your guidance, how you want me to raise my kids, how how to be a better wife, how, you know, um, how to wait for that right person. So love that scripture. Take that one away too. And just in line with that, I think of that scripture that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, so if you're wanting a better marriage, delight yourself in God. Put yeah. God first. Don't have that idol of the perfect matter, marriage over yeah. God himself. Yeah. If you're single and wanting a partner, delight yourself in the Lord yeah. and he will yeah. give you the desires of your heart. Yeah. I think you're in Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom, its righteousness, yeah. and all these things. Every other thing that you desire, want, look for in life. If, if God's number one, he will, he will give you and bring to you what you know, is yeah. number yeah. two and anything else. We're way out of time. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. Can we ask one or two questions really quickly and then we're going to wrap up? Is this helping anybody this morning? We've just scratched the surface. There's a million and one things that we could talk about, go into. Maybe we'll do a parenting and relationship seminar one weekend for a Saturday, a few hours, have a barbecue, something like that. Does anybody have a question this morning for Pete and Ainsley, just about anything? relationship and boundaries theme we've sort of got love and discipline but I want to know how you guys have found to get the right mix of balance with that because more often than not I feel as though uh, we get that wrong so um, okay good question I think that um, relationship is something that is established throughout as, as you are every day as Melissa was talking about Boundaries, when something happens, needs to be straight up. So no, stop, and however you do it, okay? Then, after the situation has been resolved and there's a consequence, okay, and what I'm talking about that is however that looks in your world, boundaries come with consequences if they're broken. That's what our society says. That's how God, you know, so boundaries. And then take that opportunity to restore any fracture. So you've got to know when children, when they're little, when they have boundaries, they're not going to go, you're the most awesome parent in the world. It's like, no, stop. What have I told you? You need to do this. What have I said? Right, go and sit there. Sit there for a couple of minutes and then establish that. But that's a routine that needs establishing. And then after that, it's not, oh, darling, are you okay? I'm so sorry you sat there. No, that would be wrong. You're not going to apologize for something you believe in. Yeah. Okay, so then it's sustaining that relationship. So, for instance, in a context of a teenager, sorry, I know I talk too much. Um, you know, you've got a boundary, okay? So, if your child comes home and goes and rips into you, like, bah, bah, you're like, I'm sorry, you can take yourself and chill out in your room, right? So, you set that, duh, unacceptable, you're not going to be talking like that to me. Give them 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 
20 minutes, then go in and say, okay, what's going on? You do realize that there's going to be a consequence for what you said. You know, if you can't talk to me nicely, your phone's with me for an hour. Because you're not going to be talking to anyone else if you can't talk to your family well. But what's going on in your world? So that's the nice rhythm of boundaries and relationship. It's a rhythm. It's exactly how it is with Christ. You know, we're not running into sin willy-nilly and go, oh, grace covers everything. In that kind of context, it's allowing the Holy Spirit to show us the boundaries between our decision-making and Him loving on us and loving us in those boundaries. Does that make sense? Does that help you? Just a quick one. Never, ever parent, never parent out of anger or frustration. Always come from a place of, of uh, education or, or mentoring or from a position of directing. Uh, because when we do it out of anger and frustration, we tend to go overboard. We tend to say words we shouldn't say over our children, right? Uh, if I, I used to do that years ago, and I saw the anger rising up in my children. They were angry because I was an angry man. Now I would say I parent from, if I get frustrated, I bite my tongue. I've got a permanent hole in my tongue. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's, it, 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 but yeah, because we never ever want those anger words to be said over them. We want the words of a father or mother to be said, which is out of love, but it's love because we want to guide them correctly. And that has to be our motivation for any discipline is how can I lovingly guide these children who have been entrusted to me to be that awesome 21 year old who's going to step out onto the world platform and take this world for Christ. Yeah, love it. So I, I think in what you were saying also, as you were saying it, I see consistency, which you mentioned before, yeah. just staying consistent in those boundaries, staying consistent yeah. in what you accept as a norm in, the, in your house yeah. Yeah. and then not going beyond that. Either way, we're being too lenient or too harsh, right. but this is our accepted norm. I stay consistent in that and they're the boundaries we set. It's a cultural thing. Yeah, beautiful. Setting your culture. Yeah. Beautiful. And just before, we just want to pray over everybody this morning, but I was just thinking about, you know, you can never, we can never stop learning, never stop growing. And, you know, there's so many amazing books that you can read on parenting, on marriage, on relationship, on waiting for that right person, you know, just or being single. And, and another thing that I thought of too, which is so great because, um, you know, that those daily, those daily devotions where we say, you know, like praying and reading the word, but the best thing you can do, I want to encourage you, is to download an app called YouVersion. I mean, there's so many great apps and they have so many different topics and devotions on parenting, on marriage, that you can, I wanna do like a seven day um, devotion on, you know, how to parent better. Gives you scriptures, just gives you some great yeah. stuff. Feeding ourselves, continually learning. And that's what's gonna, what's gonna help us, you know, live a better life, do what we do better, have better relationships. Amen. Amen. So should we pray? Let's yeah, totally. Pray Why don't we stand to our feet? I hope this is been a benefit and a help to you this morning. Uh, I love that. We can all learn uh, to do life better. We can all learn to do relationships better. Uh, and um, I'm going to ask Peter and Ainsley just to pray over us this morning, uh, whether we're single, whether we're in a relationship, whether we've gone through a, a relationship breakup, whatever it might be, wherever you find yourself today as a parent, longing to be a parent, I'm going to ask these guys to pray over us, uh, just the blessing of God so we can do it better. Amen. Heavenly Father, we know that you're an awesome God and a loving Father, that you set the example of how to love one another. We just ask that you 
we just take the, the, the principles that you've taught us, Lord, and we just start to apply it and become a culture within us that we can first love you as you have loved us, and then we can permeate that throughout our world. Whatever our individual circumstances, Lord, we just ask and how we can influence others to show the love of Christ to our world. Father, we just speak favour and blessing over every congregational member right now, mighty Lord, that whatever perspective of relationship, Father, whatever cracks or whatever, any area of weakness, Father, we bless, mighty Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, that there is such a, a springing of new life, that there is a river flowing of answers, that there is a river flowing of wisdom and understanding, that they have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to respond to your heart for their relationships in their world, mighty Lord. We pray a favour and a blessing that just reigns over this congregation, mighty Lord, that they indeed reflect relationships and the realness of your relationships that you call us to have in the community. And they represent you, mighty Lord, in all the weaknesses and all the strengths that you are the one with the answer, mighty Father. So we declare that today, mighty Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just while every head's bowed, eyes closed, I just want to remind us again afresh today. Jesus wants a real relationship with us. Not a superficial one, not a knowledge-based one, but a revelation of who He is as our Heavenly Father. And so what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to close service. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.